0: Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to The Feed to Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America.
1: Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, all the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there, won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause Embiid will put it back in your face. He's a cold-blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it to feed to Embiid. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell, along with a student, a guy. His name is Brock Landis. He, re- he goes to Temple. Uh, Brock, how are you tonight, my, my good pal?
1: I'm doing really well. Uh, they compressed an NBA offseason into one week, essentially. So it's a lot of work for people like me and you, but it never really feels like work. I love it. And I'm glad that, that we have a following and uh, people interact with us and share their opinions and care about ours too. So uh, I've been occupied, you've been occupied too, but we've been having fun doing it. Uh, you guys killed the draft last night. So I just wanted to give everybody a PPL and an show. <laughs> you, so you, shared the, you shared the stream yard link. Any people can view it.
0: <laughs> they can come to the I show. Do? <laughs>
1: what, did I, what did I tweet? No, well, I did tweet the wrong. I tweeted the wrong thing. Oh, my God.
0: Brock,
1: what are you doing? Oh, man. Anyway,
0: anyway, so let's, let's, yeah, you can copy and paste it. It's it's on my Twitter. Just retweet the the tweet from my Twitter. Um, So sorry for this destruction, for the distraction. Everybody wanted to make sure that we were doing everything right. Um, Thank you for the viewers. We have 32 so far. Glad to see everybody is pumped and excited to join the show tonight. Um, Again, as always, leave your comments, leave your questions everything your feedback in, in the in the, um, in the comments will be we'll hit as many as we can um, as we go through the show Brock the Sixers are a vastly different team than they were uh, 30, 36 hours ago sure. um, they get off of the Al Horford contract which I in my opinion I wasn't thinking about what can they get in return but just get off that money. And the fact that you got it for Danny Green, who fits what they're trying to do. He's a he's a spot mm-hmm. up shooter, three time champ, veteran. Um, he knows how to lead. He knows how what it takes to win a championship. He'll help. Um, I would like to see them keep Danny Green. I think he can provide value. But it also wouldn't shock me if maybe he gets routed somewhere else. Um, if if that's a salary filler, you keep in mind he is making fifteen million dollars. And I do believe they have some more tricks up their sleeves, um, but we'll see how that plays out. So they have Danny, they get Danny Green back from Oklahoma City, that, uh, and then they they give up two picks. I think it's a 2025 top. Mm-hmm. I think it's what one through one six three, protected. Six. Yep. And then they give up the 34th to the 36th pick mm-hmm. in um, in in last night's draft. They get Danny Green, they get off Horford, of and they get Terrence Ferguson. A really nice uh, depth wing on, on, you know, coming back. I'm not gonna call him a three and D guy because the three numbers are the, the three point numbers are sporadic, um, mm-hmm. but he's just a really nice uh, piece for their depth. And um, I, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I was kind of surprised that Oklahoma City left let them off that easy. The one thing I could think of was. Maybe they have a deal already in the works to send Horford elsewhere Mm -hmm. for like a a first-round pick or whatever or something like that. Maybe they plan to get off Steven Adams and get him somewhere else. And so they wanted to get a veteran in the locker room, a big – who knows. But Terrence Ferguson comes back as well. He averaged 3.9 points, um, 29.2% from the three-point line, 35.5% from the field. Not going to cut it um but he does have a defensive win share of uh actually a a, th- a, a first career 3.0 defensive win share that's you know pretty pretty good i mean he's you know the most of most of his contributions are coming on the defensive end cuz his offensive win share is about 1.5 so he's can so he's he's a he's a good defensive wing good backup maybe with a more consistent role in Philadelphia he um, ends up finding his shot and getting that confidence back. Um, but anything you can get back from Hortford, Horford, I was on. I was game with. Um, l- I'll let you talk about that first, and then we'll talk about the Hortford family comments.
1: <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, <laughs> I, I kind of agree uh, that I think OKC might have something lined up because if you talk about a clunky fit with Ben Joel and Al Hortford, uh, imagine paying Steven Adams $25 million a season – and then trading for $27 million a season worth of Al Horford. So uh, you'd assume that maybe OKC has more in the works, and with them just trading Kelly Oubre uh, to Golden State, they're definitely working behind the scenes. On Philadelphia's M, this is an A-plus trade, and and here's why. Uh, You get much less of a commitment. So you're only paying Danny Green $15 million for one season in comparison to Al Horford getting at least $69 million over the course of the next three seasons. Uh, Danny Green may be getting a little older, but he's serviceable in Austin. You make a good point. He's useful with what Philadelphia wants to do. Now, I don't think Philadelphia is going to start shooting threes early in the shot clock as frequently as they used to under Brett Brown because it's going to be a completely different look offense. But what I'm encouraged about with Danny Green is that he's one of the most consistent shooters in the NBA. All right. So while there may be concerns with Danny Green in the past three years hitting uh, shots in, in big game situations, notably uh, he disappeared in the Toronto playoffs and and with the Lakers, you, you couldn't really rely on for, for that last shot the same way you used to. Uh, but if you look at Danny Green's numbers in nine full seasons, uh, th- there's nothing to not be thrilled about. 36% three-point shooting percentage or higher in eight of those nine seasons, so that's above league average, and in five of those nine seasons, he posted a three-point percentage higher than 40%. Uh, that's incredible there. And then when you look at the catch-and-shoot, it's consistent every single season. 101 catch-and-shoot threes made last year, 172 and 16, or an 18 rather, 117, 101 and 16. So when you look top to bottom, you're really going to get 100 to 110 three-pointers off the catch-and-shoot on a normal Danny Green season. There could be an outlier season like, uh, 2014 or 18 where he goes berserk and, and hits 150 plus, but he's going to give you about 100 to 110 catch and shoots, and he's going to be 38 to 42% successful on them. So uh, regardless of of Danny Green's age, you love that you don't have to commit to him as much as you'd have to commit to Al Horford. And uh, like, like I said, you can use him in this offense. You give Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, one less guy that's going to clog and, and one less defender to sit in the paint because you do have to respect Danny Green's get, uh, gravity around the wings and the corner. So uh, A-plus trade on, on the Danny Green one, in my opinion.
0: For sure. So now that we have that discussed, let's address what quickly became the – I don't want to say the elephant in the room, but it became a okay. distraction, I would say. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, I think the Horford family has a point that cha- the anger was probably, I guess, misdirected in a sense. But I mean, there were things there that he, they, like, he it was a very, very significant step back that I thought was some bit. A, a lot of that had to do with the role I thought. But I mean, come on, the guy was missing layups, he was missing bunnies at the rim, and he just vastly underperformed the value of his contract. Um, and you know, and to say that to just like. To just discount Philadelphia fans as just petty because they because you guys didn't like just like the Celtics like no they were that perhaps they didn't channel it in the appropriate fashion but it was about the fact that the contract was not being lived up to and that's always a valid a valid reason to be upset with a player if you're a fan of the team and I thought that the, the fact that you know they the, all the all the siblings were coming out and you know saying whatever they wanted to, like you know i think one said like they're like crybaby fans or whatever i i would i think you should rephrase that as perhaps uncontrollably passionate that's what i would say i mean what i'll i i, I do not think you should be giving death threats and dms and and and, and calling people calling people derogatory terminology i wouldn't i wouldn't I don't think that's appropriate fan behavior, but to 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 display some animosity towards the player for not performing to the value of the contract in the appropriate light is normal.
1: So we live in the digital age. If you have a Twitter account, you are subject to scrutiny because if you put your opinion out there, uh, chances are, especially on Twitter, people are going to oppose your opinion. Every day I log on to Twitter and there's constantly an argument between everybody on my timeline as to who knows basketball, who watches basketball, who doesn't watch it the right way. So when you have a reputation the way that Anna Horford does and when you utilize the app the way that she does, you're going to be subject to these types of things. And you pair that with Philadelphia's fan base, which, like you said, is is a passionate fan base, And, and, and you're going to get some crazy interaction. So I agree. No death threats, nothing derogatory. That's, that's of course, nothing that, that I would support and I don't think should go on. But at the same time, if I hire a plumber to do a certain job and the, the, the plumber doesn't do the job well enough, I'm going to criticize him. So if Al Horford is getting paid $28 million a season and all he's doing is clapping his hands after giving me a minus, uh, a negative box plus minus and he's just clogging the floor, he's 32% on catch and shoots, I'm going to criticize him. Philadelphia gave him, they paid him handsomely based upon what they thought he can do and his tenure in Boston. He didn't do it. It was problematic. There was problems in the locker room. Uh, he was outspoken about these problems in the locker room. So Al Horford deserves criticism for underperforming on his contract. And it, it just seems like his sister is his white knight on Twitter. And because of that, she's taken the fall. But what I thought was even funnier, which I'm sure you saw, Austin, is that Al Horford's brother, who I think 99 percent of the fan base didn't even know existed, comes out the day Al-, Al Horford gets traded and starts talking his shit with his chest out, and everyone was kind of like, "Yo, dude, wh- where have you been the past 12 months? You- you've been letting your sister take all the heat. Where the hell were you at?" So yeah, they, I think I think, so think it's so two
0: sisters. I think it's two sisters, two brothers. That's is what it? I think. Yeah, I think so. And a and I mean, I'm not going to identify them because that would be inappropriate. But, I mean, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's I, – I get the sense. I get the sense that if they were complaining about Philadelphia fans and it all came out at once like that, it probably means that Al was also not happy with how, well, things, how things were. And, I mean, I, I kind of wonder if you maybe voice that concern or that, that displeasure or that distaste. Privately, to like the Sixers, um, but I mean, I think it's um, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think he, you know, I think he, he the, the whole family's right um, to be upset with pr- the way that, that way that fans approached it. Um, Nadir Aga says, critics Critic- <laughs> criticisms, criticisms, criticisms. Yes, but you are acting like thugs." calling him bad things okay i guess brock i guess the fans are thugs I, I don't i'm not touching that one um haven't you traded Furcon yet <laughs> haven't you traded Furcon yet i i don't think he's gonna get any kind of rotation minutes here so i mean there's that um i'm a happy fan michael bird says i think the fans should be very happy with how last yeah. night played out for sure Austin's reaction to the v- Vassell pick was epic last night. I was a big, I was very much so on the Vassell hype train. I thought he's a, I think he's a really, really, really good fit in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't stop raving about him in that fit in San Antonio. I think it's just going to be a, a, a match made in heaven. Um, Yakov Belfer says, "So pumped to finally be excited for as much Sixers content uh, as I can get." What a champ or what what a change Maury 24 Hours makes.
1: This is exactly what I wanted to start the show with. It's 24 hours and everybody has a different feeling about the Sixers. It's crazy that one night of competence in this organization got the Sixers to address all of their problems head on. So now there's, of course, some minor roster tweaks to keep Philadelphia in playoff contention. But at the same time, This is 24 hours of competence in the front office. It makes you wonder what's really been going on. Because if you look at what they did two years ago in comparison to what happened last season, I don't know who was in charge of personnel and and decided to go after and get Josh Richardson and Al Horford. It just really makes you wonder what's been going on behind the scenes for the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's like a bunch of different ways that I would phrase just the, the, I guess the hilarity of how quick, they turned. Like, like Maury just This was like, was like. All right, give me two weeks. I'll fix everything.
1: <laughs> just playing NBA GM. He was playing two live GM. Like, 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 and he did. He, he actually mm-hmm. did in one night. He
0: made everything kind of fit better, and mm-hmm. to, to, to like, I was listening to the pro, to the afterwards presser as I was as I was like falling asleep, um, and I was trying to like you know, get some transcribe some stuff. Keep, uh, you know, get some stuff out there, and it just felt like you had somebody giving you real answers, mm. um, and not like, you know, BSing you. Um, you had somebody giving you real answers, and it was really refreshing to, 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 to see and to hear for the fan base. Um, and just the you know, it was just he was basically saying like. We can, they can do this. We, I, I had confidence in, in Joelle and Ben. We can do this. It was about getting the right pieces around them. And I think it was like a language. The fan base was like, yes, finally, we're speaking uh-huh. the same language here. It yeah. isn't like some massive puzzle that we have to figure out. It's right in front of you. And this guy is figuring it out. So I was happy for the fans last night. I was really, um, I was like, okay, this team is now fascinating again like they're always going to command attention because you have two of the most electrifying players out there on the roster, but they weren't, they were a boring team. They weren't a fun team anymore. Um, They were just a local basketball team that had really, two really good players that were going to get wasted. But now it's like, okay, they have rediscovered something that, that makes sense. The roster sure. is improved on all fronts. Um, So then what they do later in the night and all day long, I mean, all, all day long, you're hearing different things. I had like, Know different people texting me. I had a couple people from one person from to, to the Sixers, another person who knows people in the you know who were in the Sixers. So, you know, if there's indirect connections there, but their connections nonetheless, and I'm like asking them, they're talking to me. You're just hearing a bunch of different things. Um, and it kind of felt like they were leaning in the direction of maybe getting Zach Levine, and the Horford trade kind of made it seem like they were heading back in that direction. Um, and then, the impression that I kind of got from all of it was that they were making an exerted effort to get Zach Levine, but the Chicago just wasn't budging, or they they were not willing to let go of one of the pieces in the package to get Levine back. Like maybe it's Thibault, maybe it's Milton. I do know that Doc loves Shake Milton,
1: yeah,
0: um, and and was and has visions of him, you know, in 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 some shape or form. First one or two guys off the bench, maybe even a starter, um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to be like minimalized in a new role next year. I think it's going to be like he's going to be a part of the team for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as the night goes on, you know, there, there, you're the, the those buzzes are kind of going downwards, and then they trade Josh Richardson, yeah. and I was thinking, okay, maybe Josh is going to be part of the deal to get to get. Levine back but he goes to Dallas I thought I thought it was actually a mutually one trade uh-huh. for both sides like like Dallas has a really good offense their defense was horrible this past year uh-huh. Josh Richardson puts a wing out there that can that can do some do some things on um, offense but it's really it's a you know a really good defensive wing to fortify that that position for them the Sixers get back some desperately needed shooting on the perimeter, Seth Curry, he obviously flies under the radar because he's the brother of you know one of the greatest players ever. But for his career, 44.3% from three, uh, 45.2% last year, which is a career high. Uh, I, maybe, not, maybe not career high, but I, I believe his three-point shots attempted. So he, he had a career high in volume of five per game um, on and connected on 45% of them. And he averaged a uh, almost a career high um, career high uh, 12.4 points per game. So he comes back, he's 30. I gotta tell you, I was watching some film with him today. I think he can be a creator. I think mm-hmm. I really do think he might be in the running to be one of their best shot creators.
1: Of course, and he's got a good layup package. What I'll say about Seth, which is the most important thing in this entire trade, uh, is that regardless of how you feel about name and notoriety, he is among the best shooters in the NBA. Uh, Since 2015, he's been one of the most consistent yet dominant three-point shooters in the league. And looking at three-point percentage since 2015 in all of his full seasons, he's had a three-point percentage over 40%. That's way above league average. So in 2019, third highest three-point percentage. 2018, fourth highest. 2015, sixth sixth highest. In the fourth quarter, if you need a closer, you've got your answer right there. He ranked fourth, first, second, and third, respectively, in each season in fourth quarter three-point percentage. Off the catch and shoot, he ranked second, first, and third in 2015. So you answer all three marks right there. The thing about Seth Curry is he has gravity. And that's the most important part about this trade. You get a player who you need to pick up at half court defensively. So other teams have to watch him because if you don't pick him up, as soon as he gets past half court, he's going to pull it. He's got limitless range. If you pick him up past half court, the problem becomes if you set a screen offensively, let's say it's Joe, it's Ben, it's Tobias. If somebody sets a screen for Seth Curry, all he needs is a little window of space to create that three point shot. And defensively, You have to answer. You have to get around that screen. You have to switch on the screen, which takes away some attention from the role man. At the same time, if there's no screen and if you pick him up past half court and now you're in a half court offensive set, he has enough gravity as a three-point shooter where somebody has to be defending him. Somebody has to close out. You can't just live with Seth Curry shooting. Because he's a career 49% shooter from both corners. I just told you how prolific of a three-point shooter he is in general and off of the catch. So he has enough gravity to warrant defensive attention. What does that mean for Ben Simmons? I'll tell you what it means. This means that if Ben Simmons has the ball in transition, not only does he have a second option where he can pass to a guy like Seth Curry in transition, and you you like your chances of him hitting that shot, but also... Ben is one of the best players in terms of driving and transition in the league. He can collapse a defense so easily. So he can take the ball as far down into the paint as possible and get the best shot. And this means he might be double team less. This means Joel might be double team less. These guys can go to the line more. They might have positional mismatches. So in adding a player like Seth Curry, it alleviates some of the offensive pressure. It takes some of the pressure off of Ben and Joe. It might take away a double team, but most importantly, it opens the floor up. It it creates more space. You can't have teams just pack the paint. There's not going to be five guys around the paint. You you got more room to operate if you're Ben, if you're Joel. So getting Seth Curry is a huge win. Like I said, regardless of how you feel about name or reputation, he is, if not the best, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and it's been that way for four seasons.
0: For sure. I want to get Michael McHugh here first. This John from the Sixers, lol. My, my B-Boys. No worries, Michael. We appreciate the viewership. Uh, answer your question. What do you think of the Wizards draft?
1: I love it. Michael,
0: Michael if you're still listening, I hope you are. Um, I actually I, I wrote our website's scouting report on Denny Abdia. And I will tell you this. I, there are three or... F- he is definitely in my top five favorite players in this draft. I think he is just a, pl- a pleasure to watch, plays the game super competitively, um, underrated ath- athleticism, maybe sure. not the most athletic guy out there, just a really good all-around pat player, can pass the ball really well, can shoot from the high post, um, Can is getting better as a three-point shooter. I think he is going – I think he's a steal at, at, at nine Um, and I, I'm really excited for him in, in Washington with Bradley Beal and and hopefully John Wallen. They keep him. I think Denny Avdia is a great, great pick. I think you should be very excited, um, for Denny Avdia. I could not endorse him anymore if I wanted to. I think it's a fabulous pick. Um, so getting back to what you said, Brock, about Seth Curry. Yeah, I I agree. And I think, you know, from, from, from what I, from what I saw, um, of, of the highlights of, of, of the film. I did some, re- I'm going to write on this and I, I did some research on this, but we saw JJ Redick in Philly have the highest usage of his career. And he had the best seasons of his career in Philly. I envision a similar role for Seth Curry because he has the gravity to be that kind of a shooter. My guess is that we see Curry averaging like 15 points per game. Um, like upper 30s, lower 40s on like six or seven attempts per game. I I really, really like um, the idea of what they're trying to do with him. I think they're trying to bring back the 2017 18 team, but like on a platform where it's like, okay, this team is not, this team actually has some upgrades in all of the roles that the, that team had. Um, let's go back to. The clever one, always one of our greater, uh, one of our great listeners. You think we can grab Bogdanovich in a sign and trade? That's a wild story. That story, that story is that story is wild. Um, I mean, I, I, they were so focused on getting him to Milwaukee that they forgot to actually like make sure he was okay with it, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I guess it's on halt for now. My my guess is that. They're trying to make it look like it was a legal trade, and like it wasn't happening before the before the the the, the, the ban was lifted. Uh-huh. And they'll probably get back into it and figure that out this weekend. Be my guess. Um, Joe McHugh, bring back Nerlens Noel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll see. I guess I guess the way I'll say it is, we will see. We will. Um,
1: and let me let me endorse Nerlens Noel real quick because I know some people are opposed to this for whatever reason. Um, but Nerlens Noel is a really low usage, low maintenance player that can be phenomenal as a backup center. He's not a tree defensively. He's more so a versatile defensive anchor. In the past two seasons, there's only three players to amass 50 plus steals, 90 plus blocks and 150 plus deflections. That list, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond and Nerlens Noel. So defensively, You get a very active ball player, a guy that can play healthy, he can rotate, he has the lateral quickness and and the ability to recover and maybe keep up with three through five, but also offensively, a highly efficient player. You're looking at a guy that's had a field goal percentage that was fourth in the NBA this season and a true shooting percentage that was third. He's going to shoot over 50%. He's not going to shoot the three ball, but if you have other three-point shooters on the floor, similar to how they did in 2017. If you have a Seth Curry, if you have a Danny Green, maybe one more addition, you can have Nerlens Noel on the floor with Ben Simmons. He's a good complement, transition, and he's he's brilliant as a backup center. Austin,
0: for sure. I inv- I think they're going to be. He's going to be a guy you play fifteen minutes per night. Mm-hmm. Just going to run, rim run in, a, in transition, set good screens and dive, and just a, a really good rim protector. That's all I ever needed was just a guy that could. Block shots, 15 minutes per night. Just get rebounds, block shots. And, you know, Maury tried to acquire him last year at the deadline for Houston. Um, couldn't get the deal done in time. <clears throat> but there's clearly there's clearly a connection there. I suspect I, – I, I'm not going to say it's
1: 100%
0: done deal, but I suspect we are going to see that come Rome to, come, come yeah. to go ahead. Yes. a head. Yes. Good gut feeling. Uh, to make it. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, does Austin have some ink?
1: I wanted to know that too. I, I've seen that occasionally. I never asked about it. What is that? You got to you got to put it on the camera.
0: So, I do have some ink here. I'm not going to show the whole thing. Is that I, a or
1: what?
0: It's 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 something. It <laughs> was, so, I I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Okay. I'll tell you a story. And it's not one of my prouder moments, but I think it makes me sort of kind of humanizes me with the show okay. and gives you you something to laugh about. So, in essence, and keep in mind, I got this tattoo when I was twenty, so I'm twenty four
1: now. I was twenty. In essence, I did it to impress a girl. <laughs> uh, that's the problem, right there. Chase the bag, not not chase the bag, not the female.
0: And now I have permanent ink on my arm. Um, but I will tell you this: I reg- I would probably go back and not get that tattoo design, right. but. I would still get a tattoo, and in fact, Wait. I I plan on getting more tattoos for sure.
1: Did, did it hurt right there on the bicep, or, or was that a bro? It
0: breath? was it was so painful. I mean, wow, yeah. I, I I'm sitting, there, I'm trying to hold, trying to hold a straight face, and it, it it's right on the meat, right on a lot of nerve, right there. It kills. It really really is. How tough
1: long there. did it take?
0: 30 minutes.
1: Oh okay. Well, yeah. Luckily it wasn't too long. Of a,
0: of yeah time. for sure. And the guy was like, "Do you want to fill? Let me fill it in." I was like, "No, hey, no, no, know. no, Oh no.
1: Oh
0: Yeah yeah. I feel like you'd have it.
1: I don't know. Really? Do you plan on getting I No. I I don't know why. I, I've just I, I've never had an inclination to get tatted. All right. And I realize that I am, I guess the kids say simping. And
0: yes, that is pretty that is okay. a that is I gotta
1: ask I gotta ask something real quick. You tweeted something this morning. I don't know if my tweet ever went through. You tweeted a Seth Curry video, uh, the one was <laughs> – oh, <okay. called. laughs> I didn't I didn't
0: <said>, <laughs> I didn't I just didn't respond to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you what did you say? You said um, I, was, I, I, I was like Seth Curry got got some shit to him.
0: him. Got some shit to him.
1: When do the kids start saying that? I never heard nothing like that in my that life.
0: Was, that was something that I heard when I when I when I, when I played in high school.
1: Yeah, you got much.
0: We we would yeah. We would say we would get like our you would get like in the preseason, we would get our runs in on like Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um in like like this is before this, like it was before this is before basketball season. We get in on Saturday mornings play full court to get in shape, get, you get the chemistry going. And our coach, our head coach would say, Oh, he got some shit to him. And so we all started saying it. And then I'm, I'm with the boys. I'm just like, you know, just playing I'm with the coach and whatnot. So I started picking it up too. And then okay. it kind of stuck. So I assumed it was something the kids would still saying, I guess my, my fault was that I assumed that something that was popular six, seven years ago is still popular today. Mm. Um, but that's, that's my fault. We'll, we'll live and we'll move on. Um, Amir, 11 months later, interesting name, uh, says, do you guys think there's a realistic deal to be made for Levine without gutting our impact players or giving up too many first, too many future picks? Um, Brock, I'll let you answer that one first.
1: I don't think so. Um, I really don't think that Matisse Dive would be the centerpiece of a trade with Chicago. Zach Levine's still under contract for two seasons. There's a couple of guards on that team that – uh, he can maybe mentor. Uh, there, there was some issues with the coaching staff. They've got Billy Donovan there now. So uh, maybe they like their chances in convincing Zach Levine to stay. And I, I think people are really eager to drive players out of their situation if it's a bad situation and the player's under 27. Uh, but I, I don't think Philadelphia could realistically get Levine without parting ways with a player like Tobias Harris. And uh, as, you, as you know, Austin, I don't think Tobias Harris is available in trade talks right now. He might be available depending on the player. Uh, but he just got engaged. Philadelphia has been promoting that. Uh, Doc Rivers coached Tobias Harrison, and he has friendly ties with Danny Green. So I think Tobias is, is being committed to for at least this year.
0: He has friendly ties with Danny Green. Where would that come from?
1: Brian. Brian was telling us today that that him and Danny Green are apparently good friends. I missed him. Missed that. Yeah, 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 he did apparently. BMJ told us.
0: I, I missed that. Um, I would disagree. I think, I think Levine is available, and I think he's available for the right package. Um, I mean, so Chicago, so, so Chicago takes Patrick Williams, and that was a name that was rising up boards uh-huh. for weeks. Um, and I, I, I suspect Levine would be available. My guess, it probably looks something like. Terrence Ferguson, Matisse Dibel, Shake Milton, one or two first round picks. Probably. Maybe uh, maybe even one of the picks that they took this year. Um, and then like a pick swap. That would be my guess. Um, and I would I would think Dan and Green would probably go back in that trade to make salaries work. Um, that would be my guess. My guess is at this point they 're probably trying oh trying to find this is just a guess like this is this is this is just speculative um, based on the interest they had last night my guess is they're probably trying to find a way to rework a deal for him but I, I have no idea where where that is in like likelihood or if that comes to fruition I have no idea but I do think there's a realistic way of that happening Um and I, cause I, I don't know that I, I think Zach Levine staying there past the length of his contract. Right. Um, um,
1: so uh, of course, if he doesn't, Chicago would want to get at least a couple of assets or, or something uh, because you don't want to let him walk for nothing. But my question would be, uh, you've drafted Kobe White and he seems like the only indication of offense on your roster outside of Zach Levine, uh, Wendell Cartier and Laurie there. You draft Patrick Williams. What's the incentive to trade for Matisse Dival there? Uh, you, you lose offense in, in trading away Zach Levine. Uh, so I'm not sure what the incentive would be for that package. But, Austin, uh, you and me both know that stranger things have happened. And Daryl Morey, uh, stage 76 trades, as a GM of Houston. So uh, I'm sure he's working behind the scenes, too, for Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. So this guy, Mike Weary, the great, 199 I read that comment. I <laughs> read it. I thought it was saying, that, like, he donated 199 to the show. And I was like, I was like my man. I was, like, I was like, I appreciate that. And then I realized I realized it was just part of the name. And I was like, uh. um, ah. Yeah, I, get,
1: I, get, I don't know. Yeah,
0: who knows? If, if you want to memo us, you can memo us for sure.
1: If he, like. uh, if he donated, uh, we'll split the profits there.
0: For, for sure. For sure. Um, he says Milton, Matisse, Smith, and a first round pick for Beal. I think you're going to need to increase the draft capital in the future for that trade. Um, I think Zaire Smith probably has value as something like. We'll throw you we'll throw in this as well, but that's not gonna that isn't gonna be a key cog in a deal for Zach Levine, I don't think. Um, and but I, I do think that there is the the that Zaire's camp, I would say, is searching for for answers as as to what the future holds for him. I would say. Um, now, CG says. Well, this is interesting because Mike Weary the Great, his comment is blue.
1: That's what not- I mean. I don't think this is any comment. I think we got a two dollar donation to to the Feed to Embiid Pod, our first ever donation.
0: Mike, like what what, what what is going on here?
1: What what are we getting a donation? I don't even know how that would work. All right. Do I, But but listen, Mike, I appreciate it. We we love the interaction. So everybody commenting and, and engaging with us has to know. For but, sure, I appreciate that. Thank you very For much. Sure.
0: CG says, uh, "Any chance of a sign and trade for Bertans with Ferguson being the centerpiece?" No, I think it's actually. Is it Bertans? No, it's. I, no, I I think it's. I think it's Bertans. I do because I was listening to. I listened to the Low Post and they and he had the Washington GM on. Okay. Um, and he said it was. I think he pronounced the name Davis Bertans.
1: Well, you were saying Daryl Moray for three weeks, so I'm going to go like a confirm. I said I said Morey, Mor- Moray, whatever, whatever, whatever.
0: You're not wrong. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, I, my guess is this. My guess is his trade, his his market value. And by the way, Washington has made every in from from from. from um, wait, 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 wait. wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nick, Nick from Jersey, Nick from Jersey my chimes in with the Venmo. My what is this? What
0: is this? Venmo.
1: I got you both. I don't even have a Venmo. I wouldn't accept your money, Nick. But listen, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you interacting. You're one of my uh, one of my one of my favorite followers on Twitter.
0: Yo, Mike Scott just tweeted, I'm
1: gone, bruh. Is he? He just tweeted it. Mike Scott said it. Well, that, that must mean he was traded, right? Because he's not a free agent. It's got to mean he was traded. It's got to mean he was traded, for sure. All right, so we'll we'll, we'll, we'll keep our phones close. I know you got Woj notifications on, um, so we'll keep our phones close. But listen, we're 37 minutes in, and we haven't even talked about the most exciting part of the night. The Sixers got potentially a lottery draft pick at 21 in Tyrese Madison. Oh, yes. Austin, I mean, talk about hitting a home run – with every single thing the organization did last night. Daryl Moore literally walked into the front office and in 24 hours of competence, the Sixers have changed the entire trajectory of their entire roster. I mean, how do you feel about Tyrese Maxey? I'll let you go first because you've been breaking him down for a little while.
0: I love his energy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so so that's usually not a good way to start out Start out a, a discussion yeah. with somebody. is like, I like his energy. But that's actually just the tip of the iceberg with what I like about him. I think – so the vibe that I that I get from him is guy who is – oh, by the way, we, we never really finished up the Bertans question, so I'll finish that real quickly. Right. Bertans I think probably is going to get north of like 12 million. I think he's probably 12 – Twelve to fifteen 12.
1: range this season, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if Joe Harris is asking eighteen mil, he's probably gonna mm-hmm. get twelve to, to that number. Um but um anyway, so for for Maxi, really, 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 really good high motor defensive player on the perimeter. Um, he can create a shot, he can dribble, he's got a lot of – he's got really, really, really good footwork around the rim, can sort of euro step a little bit, can can, be, can get crafty with finishing. Um, the shot release point I think is a little bit low, which is concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 6'3", and I think he's a shooting guard, they say. Yeah. So I, I don't know where that kind of fits in because he was below average from three-point range at Kentucky. But I suspect he can become a, a, a better shooter – and I tweeted this today, and people were saying that I thought he was going to be Bradley Beal. I don't know what he can become. I, 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 it's not fair for me to put a ceiling on anybody. Maybe he's even better than Bradley Beal. Who knows? Who, I and mean, Really, I mean, who, who knows? Pascal Siakam, whoever thought he was going to be what he became. Right. Um, but I think if that shot gets right, he draws some interesting comparisons to Bradley Beal.
1: That's interesting because I hadn't even thought about that. What, what I will say is – you've got two really good endorsements from LeBron James and coach Cal from Kentucky. And those are world renowned guys, very respected guys in the basketball world. So uh, to get an endorsement from them as, as a freshman is awesome. The one thing I noticed in watching Maxie's tape, the one thing that really stood out is his first step. He has this, this burst of speed where his first, it, it was almost unguardable in college. Now, I don't know how that translates to the NBA where there's a lineup with five grown men in the lineup, but his first step is 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 incredible. It's, it's almost impossible to guard. Uh, he's got very tight handles, which I really like about him, and I thought his craftiness on film was something that really came to life. I mean, he's good on either side of the floor. He can attack from the left wing. He can attack from the right corner, from the top of the key. He can hit a spot really well. He's got a good mid-range game, and although he shot around 29% in college from three, I think he's got a higher ceiling in terms of shooting in the NBA. Uh, And looking what he did in the uh, uh, SEC, he was All-SEC in his freshman season, 1.24 points per possession in transition. That's 84th percentile. That's brilliant, a beautiful compliment for Ben Simmons, and and you talk about that quick first step in the half court, uh, just imagine him in the open court off of a steal, off of a live rebound. I mean, he's out. Ben Simmons is out. Uh, Seth Curry can shoot the hell out of the ball in transition. So I really like that about him. And at the same time, uh, almost one point per possession in the pick and roll, which is the 86 percentile. So in the pick and roll, he's good enough to keep a defense honest. But uh, this is where his craftiness really came to life. It was in the pick and roll. As a ball handler, he can create a shot. But what I liked was his ability to find the big. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that they were so eager to draft Maxie when he was there at 21. If you compare him with a guy like Ben Simmons in the dunker spot, or Joel Embiid at the five, maybe even a New Noel, that elevates everyone's game. I'm sure you saw it on the film. He's got great vision. He can make a pass from half court, and the pick and roll, he can have all of his momentum going towards the right side of the court and make a pass to the left side low block. So For a player like Ben Simmons, if he doesn't want to get in the corner and shoot a three, if he's not going to stand at the top of the key or on the wing, if he's in that dunker spot or if he's setting a screen, you can pair him with Tyrese Maxey, and that's something I like. Plus, if he is a shooting guard, he can handle the ball as a one too. He can be a ball handler in in a half-court set. So I think Maxey gives Philadelphia a lot. He got two great endorsements, and Mike Schmitz, a guy who watches more college basketball than anybody, uh, said today – that if they do a redraft, Maxi will probably go top 10 in a redraft. And he went 21. So if you could get that type of production to fall to you at 21, uh, you take it every time. I was a little upset because my boy, R.J. Hampton, was still available. And I was hoping Philadelphia drafted him. But if Tyrese Maxey's there, you got to take Maxi off the board. Yeah,
0: I, I, I would agree. And – I just think that it, it was – number one, kudos to the Sixers for just completely messing everybody's heads because we all thought they were, like, getting ready to, like, take – God I knows who at 21.
1: 21. They were yeah. Somebody.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they end up taking him with, like, the 49th pick in the draft. So, I mean the, – yeah. The, 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 yeah. So, I mean, the, they, they had a plan last night, Um and it was a, it was well executed. Um Mike Weary the Great says he looks Westbrook strong – he does. Like I, you gotta explain to us why it become why it says 199 up here with a blue highlight. Apparently, that means that you have like, You're like a verified video creator, which I, I guess is cool. I get, we have a celebrity viewing us, It's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I would like an explanation. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he has he has to put on some muscle, but I really like his work ethic and I like his personality. He looks gen. He looks genuinely interested in being here. He looks like he's somebody who feels like I have a lot to prove. And, you know, I I always love it when guys show emotion on draft night because it's a testament of, of, of how hard they work. Usually if if you don't work that hard, you don't care about it. And if you don't care about it, you're not that surprised that you don't get it. Uh Right. So, I mean, the fact that he, that he was crying, and he was like sobbing on, on screen, I thought was like, okay, this guy cares. He wants to be here. He wants to be great. Um. So I thought I thought that was a good pick, um, and I think he has a chance to play a significant role up front. Um, Samuel B- Bethea says, "Too much for an injury-prone Lavinia, Levine." Um, Levine <laughs> is, is he is he injury-prone? I don't
1: uh, think he is. I, I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but he, he's had a pretty significant basketball injury, which is which is oh ACL, up, ACL.
0: Perception.
1: But yeah. he but he's
0: basically gotten back to the level of athleticism. Yeah,
1: yeah completely.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't concern me. Um, yes, for Beal, I don't think you're getting Bradley Beal. I don't I, think Washington's
1: trading him. Him and his agent have been denying these rumors since 2018. Uh, the organization committed to him, so uh, I think Bradley Beal's uh, staying in Washington for at least the time being.
0: Um, it's, yeah. And I mean, I listen. I think, I think if, if Maury says, if Maury says like, okay, Ben Simmons doesn't work with Joel and me, we got we gotta get this fixed. I would guess the first call is either to Houston if James Harden's still there, though. I probably, probably won't be by then or to Washington for Bradley Beal. That would be my. That would be my yes.
1: You just gotta hope that Philadelphia doesn't completely fall apart by twenty twenty five, so you don't end up trading the third overall pick for Danny Green. That's 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 the one thing you gotta hope for. Danny
0: Green's just counting his money somewhere, and we're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, American Tarmacker says if, der- if, der- <laughs> if, Dar- if Darrell <laughs> Moray can get Levine, he will get Levine. If he can get Levine. Uh, you give him the Heisman, the Pulitzer Prize, Nobel Priest Prize. Um, he can get my like my my, my fifth grade spelling bee award. W- w- whatever he wants, Daryl Morey can get. That would be an unbelievable trade. It um, be wild. So
1: let me interrupt you and ask you. Milwaukee trades for Drew Holiday, and, and AK, we had some conversations about this. You said you don't think that Drew Holiday makes a team a contender in the Eastern Conference, or at least – doesn't push them over the edge as a contender in the East. If Philadelphia trades for Zach Levine, where do you see him in comparison to Drew Holiday? How much does that trade impact Philadelphia in comparison to how much Holiday impacts the Bucks? So you're saying,
0: how much does it move the needle for Milwaukee to acquire Drew versus the Sixers acquiring Levine, yeah. Ooh. I don't think I don't think Drew Holiday puts them over the top. Um, I I I, I think Drew's is a great player, really good really good player. I don't think that there's a team in the East that is hands and feet uh, ahead of anybody else to the point where you say Drew Holiday puts them as the consensus like they're the team to beat coming out of the East. I, I just don't see that. Um, whereas with like Levine, I. St- I still don't think this it puts the Sixers over the top necessarily. Like maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't think it's a clear answer either way. But I think it puts them as like a definite one or two seed. Okay. Um, let's see here. I'm thinking uh, Sixers need to. I was thinking. Sorry. American Tarmacker says I am expecting a big splash. Alan um, got some water. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, All
1: right, let's get back to it.
0: <laughs> Bowie, Bowie. uh, if you need to target George Hill. They
1: could. Thirty-four years old. They could.
0: I suspect you'll see someone like a, G- a DJ Augustine is what my guess would be. Um, that, that's just what what I think. Samuel Bethesda, says I'm thinking Buddy healed.
1: Love that. Love I that.
0: think. They are thinking Buddy healed to and, some extent.
1: Meanwhile, I don't understand the pick for Sacramento last night.
0: I love that pick. I mean, I love it's that pick. Great, that it's a great
1: talent pick. It's a great talent pick, and and you take best available. But I really question what direction Sacramento is heading in because isn't there a De'Aaron Fox contract extension of max on the horizon? Yes. So. I don't understand going with a 1 2 guard that early in the lottery, but at the same time, I guess he'd take best available.
0: Yeah. So, so he, he Tyrese Halliburton, really fell last night. I
1: mean, mm-hmm. really fell. Yeah.
0: I like that pick because I think they can play him small ball three, mm-hmm. um, mostly two and some one. Maybe a little bit. I think he fits so many different spots, and he's a, just a he's a he's a full court playmaker, and it gives them Sacramento something to run with in transition. By the way, that could also the implication there is that it could also open things up for Buddy Hield. Maybe they feel more inclined to keep Hield. However, Hield can't play three. He's not a good defensive two. He certainly can't play three. Um, so I mean, you're kind of stuck. And do you want to put Hallie Burton, who doesn't have NBA mass yet, you want to put him at the small forward position? I don't. I don't know how that works. That's not my job. That's going to be Luke Walton's sure, job. Sure. Um, let's see. Here.
1: 13 tweets in the last hour. He said he's, uh, he apparently claims he's watching Gucci and Jeezy right now. I, I More
0: mores are eels, not top tier GMs. That's right. Um, let's see here. Max, you yeah, cool. he me so much of Donovan Mitchell. Interesting. Um, I kind of put, like, Donovan Mitchell in, like, the Oladipo category, and that's a different model of shooting guard. Uh,
1: Someone
0: someone said Dwayne Wade, and I was like, I don't think the ceiling is there, but I think, like, you have someone who can sort of model their game after that, and maybe it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't look like it's so, like, derived, and maybe it looks kind of natural. (laughs) The the clever one says, I see Lou Williams, CJ McCollum similarities, Maxi." Interesting. I don't know if I see Lou Lew- Will. Do you see Lou Will?
1: No, I, I think, I think it's too young to to really see a comparison in Maxi. Uh, I think he only has one year uh, body of work in college, so I'm going to need to see a little more out of him before I compare him. For sure. Um, were you laughing last the D Wade? No, no, no. I'm looking at the chat right now. There's a couple of funny comments.
0: Yeah, uh, Mike Weir the Great says that 199 <laughs> was a super chat donation. So do we claim that? I don't know how we. I don't know what we do with that. I guess we'll have to go back on the YouTube feed and figure I that know. out. Um, but I, we we always appreciate donations for sure. Absolutely, Mike. That's that's we we really do appreciate that. Really, we 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 love that. Um, it makes it means the world to us that we're that we're doing good work that worth your money. Um, pick is top eye protected. That is yeah, correct. That was,
1: that was my mistake. I said a, a, you'd trade a third overall pick for Danny Green. It was protected one through six. My mistake. Yeah. You don't want to give a seventh overall for Danny Green. I'll, I'll, I'll
0: change. LOL says, what do you think of the Uber trade? Love it. Which one?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's
0: two. There, uh, yeah. there, I, there's
1: I, two I'd, in the works. I, I'd assume um,
0: you need to Golden state. I like it for them. I think it's a really good trade for them. Yeah. Brian Windhorst was on top of that last night at like 2.30 in the morning. He was saying that um, on ESPN, I was just kind of like dazed and confused after a long day. And then it kind of like went over my head. But yeah. I think it's a good pickup for them. I think they're trying to milk something out of this season, so that way it's not another year of Steph's prime wasted. Um, I still don't think Golden State's going to be a very good team. I'm thinking like a seven or eight seed. Ooh. Someone chatted me today and was like, "They're." Someone me today and was like, "They're a top three seed in the, in the West," and I was like, "You're out of your mind."
1: See, before Clay gets hurt, and and that's such an unfortunate thing to happen. Um, we're, we're feeling for Clay. Sure. Before Clay gets hurt. I think benefit of the doubt, Golden State gets top three seed in, in my opinion with healthy Clay. With Clay injured, just stay uh, Steph, Dre, Eric, uh, Kelly, Ubre, Jordan, Poole. I'm not sure that they have a roster to to go deep in the in the playoffs, but I think they have a good enough roster to maintain relevance in the regular season. So I could I could see them maintaining a top five seed very well if James Wiseman's talent translates right away in the NBA, and he really is as good as people think he's going to be. Uh, that's a huge addition for Golden State. I don't know that they're a top five seed in the West. The, the West is loaded, though, if you think about it, because Dallas is most definitely going to get the top five seed. The Lakers, the Clippers, um, I think Portland and Denver are both teams that should should be top five. But I don't know. The West, the West is looking pretty good right now. There's a lot of good teams out West. Phoenix.
0: Sure. Phoenix, sure. you know um, I like Phoenix. I think – I I said back to the guy, who DM'd me. I, said, I was like, I don't know that they're a top three team in their own division, let alone in the West. Um, I mean, I think Phoenix can be better than them.
1: I don't want to count out Steph Curry, though. That's that's the one thing. Oh, I yeah. No, no, I no. Know. I
0: love Steph. Steph's a top player in the entire league. I love Steph. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have the depth. That's, fair, I don't. Um, that's fair enough. Shannon Brown says that there are no more trades. What do you think the Sixers is – what do you think is the Sixers start, starting five? Mm-hmm. My guess, Joel, Tobias.
1: And and that's great for Philadelphia to get him back at the four.
0: Yeah. I mean, Ben obviously is in the mix. Of course, Ben's going to be a starter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's your three. Maybe Seth. Maybe Shake. I think Doc wants to start Shake. I really do. I think Doc wants to start Shake. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone else emerges that is just – I'll play Shake in camp, but I I do think that as things sit, Shake is in pretty good standing with the amongst the staff. Um, so that's that. So I, maybe he's in the starting lineup. Um, but I I think they're going to make more moves. I do. Um, Jeff W. Mortensen says, "Will the Sixers be aggressive and free and live lay back and pick up whatever is left?" I don't think Daryl Morey's ever been the type to sit back and pick up what yeah, pick up whatever is left. Game. I I think when it opens. We'll, we'll hear you'll hear their names once at least once when, when things open up I, I think um sacramento is headed in this direction that's, <laughs> you, what, I, that's
1: what i was laughing at the clever
0: he's not wrong they always are um y'all think the Warriors to a playoff team yeah mm-hmm. well i i would need to see some i would need to see them play but i wouldn't be shocked if they are my guess is a seven or eight seed um, men. Hi from Greece, from Little Bill two three six. Hi, Little Bill. We appreciate you tuning in from Greece. We what really appreciate
1: time, it. What's the time difference in Greece? Do you know off the top of your head? Back how the hell would I know that? I, I I don't know. I don't know.
0: You got me over here simping for simping for when I was twenty with, with tattoos on my arm. You <laughs> think I'm gonna know the time frame in Greece? It is true.
1: Yeah. What,
0: what are we talking about here? <laughs> also, we just hit a hundred viewers on the night. We really appreciate you guys tuning in live. We really – it means the world to us. It val- validates the hard work we put into our show. Um, I think it's a curse na- now uh, for the Warriors, injuries after injuries, Big L. For sure. Um, I, I I think it's a tough situation for them. Years and years of it is grinding well into the early months of uh, – into the early times of the summer has, has taken a toll, I think, finally. I think we can't underplay the fact that guys were not expecting the December 22nd start. And, um, the, now you got, now you have people who are wow ramp, ramping up training and then this, and then close Clay trying to get back ready to go. And then boom, this happens later been ramped up a little too fast, which is unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. But I mean, what was he? I mean, what, I, mean I, I can't say I fault him like for ramping up hard. I mean, it, it was, it, he was trying to get back in time for the season to begin. I get it. Um, let's see
1: here. Five to Mac- in the morning in, in Greece. That's impressive. That's, That's impressive. when Jimmy Butler's up in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's the time Jimmy's yeah. training.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Kellen Hill, will Maxie get playoff minutes? We're way too far in advance for the playoffs. You got to make mean, the
1: playoffs first. The guy's got to make his first shot first. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got to put on the Sixers uniform first. But in, re, in all reality, Austin, do you think right now you, you could take a guess at what uh, Maxie's, I guess, role will become opening day? Do you see him? I mean, you just gave me your starting five, so of course you don't think he's going to be there, and I, I know this is a team where he's going to have to earn his minutes. But in all reality, what do you think Maxie's immediate role with the team is?
0: Maxi's immediate role with the Sixers, my guess. So he's 6'3", so he's going to be a little undersized for the shooting guard position. Also not a great shooter yet. My guess is he's probably splitting time between the two and the one um, and picking up minutes from there. Keep in mind that Doc is notorious for not liking to play rookies that much. Keep that in mind.
1: And there's more work to be made, too. Free yeah, agency. for sure. Free agency starts what tonight at midnight? No, uh, everyone says that it's six PM tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it's 6 PM tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Well, Christian Wood tweeted. Uh, Christian Wood tweeted. I came so pa- came so far midnight. So I just assume free agency started at midnight. He's due for a new big contract. Um, but I, I, if I could give you my starting five real quick off the top of my head, I'm going to say Seth, Ben. And Danny Green opening night. Uh, I still think they're going to plug somebody else in to the starting five, maybe again for free agency or another trade. But I think uh, Matisse is going to have to earn his starting minutes. But he's a guy defensively that Doc's going to fall in love with, and Dave Yeager too. Um, but with Ben, you're really playing position as basketball. So one through three is all interchangeable. It's really four and five that are, are the two position players. It's Joe and uh, Tobias.
0: For sure. Greetings from OSU. Thank you, Jay, for tuning in from OSU. It means the world to us. Always continue to keep commenting, keep keep you know going back forth with us. We're always happy to answer questions, uh, and 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 talk talk ball with you. Knicks fan here. How do you guys think we did? Oh, Jay, Jay, I think so. Your first pick, Obi Toppin. hmm uh-huh. Good pick. I wasn't. I, I thought I was. I was very low on Obi Toppin. I had him going. Really. 20th. I had him going twentieth. Okay. I, I think I think he's like Amari at best, and I don't think that's a likelihood scenario. He can't move his feet, and he he's gonna struggle to slide defensively. He's gonna get burnt by fours. I think I like his athleticism as an offensive player. He, he I mean he can he has ups through the roof. I and mean, he's gonna be a highlight reel guy. Um, I adore, absolutely adore Emmanuel quickly. I had him as high as eighth on my board and a lot of people had him in the second round. I had him as high as 8. I believe to the end of time in his jump shot. I think he's going to be a tremendous shooter in this league, shot above 60% from 3 away from Kentucky. So on so in hostile territory, he shot above 60% from 3, a really good free throw shooter as well. He at least try, he's undersized but he tries on on defense. I love that pick. I think he's going to be an awesome awesome player for the Knicks. Um let's see here. You mentioned Doc loves Shake. Um, do you think Doc will use him the way he used Lou in L.A.? He's a different player. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't think they have the same kind of game. Um, maybe more of like the Landry Shamit type. I think, that's a think?
1: I, I think that's a fine comparison. Uh, one thing I know about Doc. Yeah, he said he wants to implement in Philadelphia this season is a little bit more off-ball movement, off-ball screens, backdoor cut and baseline cuts. So I'm sure you're going to see Shake in that type of a role. I don't think he's the guy that's going to be initiating the pick and rolls and, and coming around screens and shooting with DHOs. I think that's more of a Seth Curry, Danny Green type role. But at the same time, I'm excited to see how Doc uses Ben. I really want him to use Ben as a screener in the pick and roll. Last year, Brett experimented with Ben as a screener with Josh in the pick and roll and Shake as well. So I want to see Ben maybe as a screener in that pick and roll and have Maxie or Shake or Seth Curry as the guard. I think that's going to be something to look out for. For sure.
0: Abraham Lincoln says, uh, not sure if you guys already discussed this, just joining in. You guys see anyone to target free agency? I hear rumors of Nurlands. We do too. <laughs> we do too. <laughs> um in dude, I, I would say be patient is what I will say. Um, little Bill two three six, Austin Rivers to Sixers. Um, I would I would like to cover a guy who has my same first name, so I could say Austin. This is Austin. Um, but we'll see. I don't think that they have. I don't, I think they don't need any more guards. Like they actually have guards now, which is wild. Um, I, I just don't see it. I think they but, still would, need
1: more, they still probably need one more veteran ball handler off the bench, though. I, I don't uh, know if. Uh, Austin Rivers is that guy, but Detroit's got a guy. I heard Detroit's got a guy.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Derek I Rose.
1: I for Derek Rose to the Sixers until I can't anymore.
0: <laughs> right. Cam Labar says, is there anyone anything that either of you would have done differently, the draft picks that the Sixers made last night, or they did the picks that they made really good? Keep in mind, we're going to – I think the fans and I think the media alike should view this as rel- – well, you kind of can't help it viewing this relative to what they've done in the past. So compared to like what they've done in the previous drafts. Yeah. I like this a lot. I think this is a really good draft for them. Um, And I think that they did what they had to do um, in order to, you know, in in, in order to get bad money off the roster and to bring much needed pieces in. I give their draft, I would say an a minus, um, bordering on A. I mean, I think they did a lot of good things last night for sure.
1: Now, Brock. I don't know if this is a source, but my dad texted me and said, Rivers is in Philly right now. So I said, who? He said, Austin, spotted in Philly tonight. I don't know where he's getting this information from. I don't wait, what? I don't know where <laughs> this is coming from, but apparently my dad has a source telling me that Austin Rivers is in Philly tonight, he's spotted in Philly. I don't know what that means. I, I'm hearing this the same time you are. Austin, we, we only mentioned his name once, uh, but this kind of answers Cam's question. I love the pick at 21 with Maxi. Uh, you, you get a steal in the second round. Uh, who's this steal? I'll enlighten you guys. At the 49th pick, the Sixers took Isaiah Joe. And there really isn't much you need to know about Isaiah Joe other than the fact that he has the burner. The dude can shoot the hell out of the basketball 2019, he took 10.6 three-point attempts per game, 10 a game. Shot 34% on them. but the year before he took eight a game and made over 40% of them. In 2019, most threes made in the SEC. 2018, second most made in the SEC. It doesn't matter if he's dribbling, if he's moving, if he's spotting up, if he's, if he's crossing over into a shot. He can shoot from anywhere beyond the three-point arc. Tiago, quote, quote, tweeted my tweet and said, this guy defines the four-point range in the NBA. Isaiah Joe is a shooter, and you got him at 49. He was probably a top-30 prospect.
0: Brock, you better text your dad and ask if he's joking or not. <laughs> I don't
1: know where this is coming from. Like, I got to
0: tell you, listen, Malvern Prep, great school. They're probably He's probably looking at schools right now for his his kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, parents, sure,
0: I'm sure Doc Rivers' grandkids spotted at Malvern Touring the facility amidst COVID at <laughs> 1030, 10.36 at night yeah. on a Thursday. It I makes all the sense, Laura. Don't question it. Don't question I it.
1: I did tell um, me earlier that um, he's hearing from somebody, I, I don't want to disclose who it is, that Joel Embiid is ripped. He, he's in really good shape. And that's encouraging to hear. Daryl Morey alluded to him being in the gym twice a day. So you get a good, healthy, motivated Joe. You get Ben Simmons potentially a MVP, in my opinion, with shooters all around him. Who knows where the six could go in the East?
0: For sure. So we do have to get going because Brock, you have class tomorrow. I got work tomorrow. Um,
1: Brock, I'm glad to go though. I'm I'm really honest, honestly, Austin. I'm glad to go right now. I feel like we're we're hitting our stride. We're putting out content. We're we're hitting the ground running this season, Austin. You've been working your butt off. So uh, 100 real- 130 live viewers. We can't believe it.
0: We're 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 very 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 humbled by all the viewership we're getting tonight. We really appreciate it, mm-hmm. um, Brock. You're not of age yet, but do you like shotgunning beer?
1: Absolutely. I'll be, I'll be of age in, in what? Today's November 19th. Give me about 30 days. I'll be shotgunning when King Cobra's with you.
0: Well, for any viewers above the age of 21, if you like shotgunning beer, you're probably going to want to increase your shotgun time at parties. You should check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole under a second. Also, a tab puller, bed puncher—it all fits on a keychain. For more information about King Cobra, you can check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That is the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For more information, um, you, you can. Wait, I forgot the. Line. <laughs> uh, for, 10, for a ten percent discount on all products, enter the code TrustTheCobra10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. As always, everybody, we can't can't thank you enough for tuning in tonight, 130 live viewers. You guys have been incredible. We'll be back, I'm sure, in the coming days for another episode once they do another trade or free agency or whatever. Have a
1: great night, everybody. Stay safe out there. We love you. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye.